Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Champions of Risk podcast. Before we get to today's episode, I want to just acknowledge that in short, a very, very short span of time, our world has needed to deal with uncertainty at a different level than ever before. Risk has never been more top of mind. The Champions of Risk podcast episodes that we'll be sharing over the coming weeks were all recorded before the coronavirus pandemic was declared. This has impacted every single life, family, business, community, and we are very, very sensitive to that. I am choosing to continue to share the stories of the risk takers and champion their thoughts and actions because now more than ever, we are needing to weigh options of risk. We are deciding what actions to take in spite of uncertainty. And the stories that we are going to be sharing through these episodes have thoughtful rationales and tools that are shared by the Champions of Risk podcast guests. And I believe that their stories will be helpful in leading us all through these uncertain times with more courage and confidence. Please take a listen. Hi, welcome to Champions of Risk podcast, conversations that explore the many aspects of risk that occur in our lives so that we can face uncertainty with more resilience, confidence, and humor together. I just got done interviewing Andrew Mahold talking about how he quit his corporate job and started traveling the world and something that he's continued to be doing now into his second year. And so we just wanted to take a little bit of time and explain a little bit why I was so interested in interviewing Andrew. Hi, I'm Stephanie Hansen. I loved hearing that travel story. And I wanted to know, like, why did you pick him to be your first interview? Andrew was introduced to me a couple of years ago, a friend of mine said, Hey, will you talk to my nephew? He's thinking about, you know, quitting his job and traveling the world. And she did that because I did that. I did that 20 years ago. I was in corporate America. I sold my house. I quit my job and I moved to Paris. And so I love sharing that encouragement with other people. And I was thrilled to talk with uh, Andrew. I had never met him before, but I just found him to be such a thoughtful, caring, curious person. And he like really wanted to know what it was going to be like or where he should go. And he was so interesting because he seemed like he was a researcher that he had plans and he was methodical about what he was doing. And I think sometimes when you think about like people that just quit their jobs and go off and travel, it feels a little haphazard and random. You know, I am not, this is a podcast about risk, right? And I don't feel like I'm a very big risk taker at all. And I am fascinated by that he felt like he trained himself almost to be a better risk taker. Is that common? That fascinates me too. And that's what uh, I'm finding out uh, through research and through other people's stories too, is that yes, you really can build this muscle so that you become more comfortable with risk or that over time you're able to take bigger chances than what you would have been able to do prior. So when we were in our 30s, I guess you were 30, you sold your house, you quit your job, you sold your self-help books. <laughs> I remember coming to your house and like looking at this bookcase. It's like, wow, there's so many self-help books here. I've replenished that. I, I'm sure because you are someone who seeks knowledge. What is it about like, did you feel like when you did that, that you were taking a giant risk? I almost feel like you were just compelled to do it. You know, I was compelled to do it. I knew that I made the decision. I decided a year before I did it. So I was 
I guess in a way, I was building up that risk muscle because I told my job that I was going to quit in one year. I um, I set very specific goals to achieve during that year. I went back to Paris a couple times to make sure I took French lessons. So I, w- I did a lot of things to prepare for it. Why did you want to do it? I had never been outside the country. I was 27 years old and I went to Paris for the first time. And I don't know, like what came out of my mouth was I need to live here. And then of course, I came back here to the States and got back into my job and kind of forgot about it. So I did it a a year later. And it was like, I felt that same way. So I thought I just need to go do this. It I did feel very compelled. And it felt very natural to decide to do it and to go. And And then when you were there, was it like, because you were there how long? You were there a year um, and a half? Uh, I was there almost three years. Was it that long? Yeah. When you were did there. Did you miss me? I did. <laughs> when you were there and you were living, did you feel like it was just a different chapter of your life? Because then, then is it still risky? Well, look, I went to Paris, right? You know, that, it's not the riskiest place on but earth. But it's fantastic. <laughs> Let's just go there. And Stephanie and I have been to Paris together. Yes, we ran a marathon together. Yeah. And so... I think what was what what Paris did for me is it made me take other chances. It made me realize that how important language and communication is because then I had to navigate in in a language that I thought I knew but then I got there and I didn't and so I had to continue to learn. And then Paris became comfortable so then I would try different other places and first I try out, you know, it I would do it around Europe and I would do it by myself or then I'd meet a friend. And then that just became so comfortable that allowed me to do different, probably quote unquote, riskier trips later in my life. And where else have you been? Because you're like Andrew, you've been to lots of places. Have, I I think. Um, But I, and then there's so many more places that I haven't been to. But it gave me an opportunity to go to Haiti. I did solo treks in Africa for two months. Um, I went back another time to South Africa. Um, I've been to Tunisia. I spent three months in India and a month in Nepal. A so, lot of places that people maybe think about but don't ever get to. Yes. And Andrew and I touched on this just a little bit. There are so many different experiences if you are traveling as a man or if you're traveling as a woman. I wondered about that because in the podcast, you mentioned traveling as a woman and he was like, oh, yeah, it's a very different thing. Like help the help the listener understand, like, how different is it? Is it just scarier? Is it more like do you have to have safety around you? Like, what do you do? It depends on where you go. And that was some of the conversation that Andrew and I had early on before he went. And I was just like, be conscious of, you know, things that come are going to come easily to you, depending on the parts of the world that you go. Not everybody can just go there as freely as you can. You know, there's a lot more harassment uh, traveling as a female, and especially if you're traveling by yourself. Can you give me an example of that? Um, you know, beyond the just the the basic following you know, people following you, which happens a lot. Um, Well, I was in Turkey one time and people just started like grabbing my hair. And I was by myself at that moment. And um, I was there for a wedding. But that was just very unsettling to me. Why were they grabbing your hair? Because I don't know, it's blonde. Yeah. You know, Uh, and that just didn't feel right. Um, 
I had had a time in Nairobi. I that was the first place I went in Africa. I had no business being in Africa. I didn't or being in Nairobi as my first time in Africa. I'm out there and it's at night and I get a knife pulled on me. And it's because I'm out after dark and somebody did help me and that was great. But yeah, and that could happen to anybody, but I was I it's hard not to feel like I wasn't targeted a yeah. little bit. Does that inform your being a woman like in the United States now? Like, do you feel differently when you're out at night because of those experiences, do you think? Oh, I think, yes, I think it transcends. So I would put a game face on anytime I got off a airplane, depending on where I was landing, because in just about any country, um, developing country especially, people are waiting for people to get off the plane so they can grab your luggage so that they can try and exchange money for you everything you just put your game face on and you are just like elbows out no bullshit and you just get to where you need to go yeah that's super interesting and um so I'm I can turn that on at any time so I think anytime I start to feel slightly uneasy it just comes out why was it that you picked Andrew to be like one of your first guests? Because when we talked about this podcast, you really had an affinity for him. Was it because he had taken this journey that you also had taken? Yes, I think that is a, a big piece of it. And because I've been following him for the last, you know, year and a half or, or so. Uh, and it's just a topic like if you're at a dinner party, if you are meeting new people, Talking about travel is something that comes up so often. And I'm, you know, I'm a coach. And when I talk to people about what it is that they really want to make happen in some way, shape or form, some type of travel, either it's a specific destination, or they want to take a period of time off to be able to go travel, it comes up so often. So I really wanted to have him on at the beginning to also let people know that it's possible. Yeah, because it's so funny when you think about it. And I, I am definitely because I'm not a big risk taker. When you say you, that and that's not true. Really, because yeah. I don't feel like I am at all. But I, I am with my husband 90% of the time who's a much bigger risk taker than I am. So in the in the relationship, I'm the person that doesn't take risks. But it's because he's such a big risk taker. I feel like I have to like have some sort of balance or something. I don't know. But travel is a big bucket list thing for people. Mm -hmm. Why don't more people just do it? What are we afraid of? Uh, time, you know, Andrew talked about that he, his first trip, you know, he had four weeks off uh, from his job to be able to go and do it. And it's like some people don't even have four weeks of vacation. We don't have enough vacation time yeah. in the United States. Let's just say that. And when you start traveling to other parts of the world and you start seeing that six weeks, eight weeks, shutting down for a month in August, that's just way of life. And, and guess what? These are still functioning countries. <laughs> you know, they, they are successful, they, uh, they achieve things, there's, there's big global businesses that are in these countries. And so there, there's a piece that we could really learn as Americans um, from that global travel part. He talked about his sort of bucket list, what Iran was on his bucket list. Do you still have things on your bucket list? Mongolia, Mongolia, Cuba, and Bali. Those are my three that seem to be there. Why Mongolia? The it's not traveled by everybody, and it's 
it's not in a war Mm -hmm. and it has some similar terrain as other countries around it that are at war or aren't as safe to go to. Um, I've saw this documentary on this family in Mongolia and it just, it, it's very, um, there's a lot of nature elements and, it's it looks hardy, you know, like yeah. so I just I want to just go and experience that. I would love to go to Bhutan too. That that's another like place that I think people need I don't to even experience. know where that is. Uh, okay, so I'm not I, I travel because I really stink at geography. When I was a kid, we had a world map in our kitchen because I was so terrible with geography. That's funny. But you can get to Bhutan um, from India and Nepal. Okay. But you have to have uh, a special visa to get there, and they only issue so many per year. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, have you seen the – there's a, a documentary, I guess, about the falcon tamers and the falcon hunters Ooh. in Mongolia. And there's an American woman who is a young woman. She was in her 20s, and she did her dissertation or whatever on this phenomenon of these Mongolian hunters and how they trained these falcons – and then she went and did it, and she's been going back. And 60 Minutes did a, an episode with her. It was just so gorgeous and so stunningly beautiful. And talk about that they're using other animals that they've trained to be hunters for them and how stealth the falcons were and how they trained them and how it was mostly men that did it. But then this American woman came and was a young woman, and they embraced her and taught her. It was a really cool documentary. I'll have to put that in the I, show notes. Yes, please do, because I have not seen that, and I would love to see it. Yeah, it's fantastic. And then it'll spark me to go. All right, so this is after the podcast of talking with Andrew. Are there um, things that are coming up that you are, as you're working in your coaching life, what kind of clients are good for you? People who really are wanting to make something different happen in their lives, Uh, I really help bring out the best in people so that they can get to where they want to go. How do you do that? I do it through listening and championing others because that way voices are heard and visions are actualized. So if you say, he talked about, Andrew talked about saying things out loud and like you talked about that you started telling your boss, your supervisor, your people, like I am leaving in a year and this is happening. How important is saying things out loud to actually doing them, do you think? It's it's really important. And I think the 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 connecting part to that and what I work with coaching clients on a lot is people will have the end goal in mind. They'll they'll want the outcome and they can get clear on that. Where they get stuck is on getting started and all the steps that are there. One of the things that I've learned in my life and have had to learn lots of hard lessons, and now I try to share this with my coaching clients, is that it's really the small steps and the consistency of that that does the build to get you to where you want to go. So saying it out loud, acting as if, 
practicing. It's like, if you're going to go move somewhere where you have a different language, you're not just going to show up and start speaking it, right? Like what's one thing you can do that would start getting you to that end goal of being able to speak another language, for example. But this happens with people wanting to start businesses or they've got their business started and they want to take it to the next level. It, it is really consistently like breaking it down to the lowest common denominator, as you're saying, speaking it and acting on it. All right. And that wraps up this episode of After the Cast. Michael, how can people contact you if there's anything in this episode that resonated with them? They can reach me at michaelwkithcart.com. Thanks. Thanks.